You're listening to The Hoof of the Horse, a podcast dedicated to farriery and equine science with Dr. Simon Curtis. Our episode today is sponsored by Hoofcare Essentials Foundation and their partner, Markel Insurance Company. Our latest podcast is with Farrier Jan Crow from Denmark. He has spoken and given lectures in many countries around the world. Farriery is in his blood. He comes from a family of farriers, although he was not supposed to be a farrier. As a young boy, he flew to Montreal with the Swedish Olympic team because his father was in it. There's much, much more to come. So sit back and enjoy this podcast. I'm in Norway at the Ferry Association's annual meeting here in February near Oslo and I'm joined with uh, Jan Crow and Jan, you'll have to correct me immediately if I've mispronounced your name. No, it's okay. Oh, it's actually Dutch, Jan, but Jan. it's okay. Okay, Jan. Jan is also okay. Well, we'll no doubt I will switch from one to another. You're welcome. Totally forgetting You're welcome. Uh, your, your name. Anyway, um. Look, welcome to the Hoof of the Horse podcast. Thank you. Uh, we're one of, uh, we're two of the three speakers at this conference, so yes. we're we're halfway through it. Yeah. And uh, no doubt I'll bring up a little bit about your presentation today, and we'll we'll just discuss that. Uh, but first off, your family has a long history in farriery, doesn't Definitely. it? So you can. Tell uh, the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, it um, started out in, in northern of Denmark, uh, where my grandfather was uh, actually doing uh, his uh, part of his uh, uh, job as a farrier, but also as a saddler. Quite a peculiar constellation, but but I guess when he was uh, not doing many horses, he I guess he must have been working with uh, the leather pads and uh, stuff for saddles and stuff. And then my father and started out as a farrier or and also was a horseman and my mother was a trainer working with horses we had not we my mother and, and father had about uh, actually two riding schools uh, one of them is is, is still uh, there uh, moved not more than a hundred meters away from where it actually uh, was established and I was there when I was where well, we were there with horses all the time my father was shoeing horses at the stables, but also going out shoeing horses and uh, riding horses. So it's 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 in my blood, uh, I would say, and also at the same time, it's uh, it's just a great oh, horses are lovely. So uh, what's not to like? I wasn't supposed to be a farrier. Actually, my uh, grandmother had other plans for me. <laughs> <laughs> your grandmother, not your mother. No, not was it my the mother, grandmother not my on your father's side. That was my mother's side. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what were her plans? Well, her plans were that I was I was supposed to be, uh, you know, commercial schools and stuff like that because her husband uh, was an inventor. He invented a lot of stuff. Uh, I know if you talk, I know Jim Ferry knows because I talked to him about it. My grandfather made a fishing wheel, especially he had a patent on a fishing wheel and also the fishing rods for the first guy to make them with uh, in glass fiber. Yeah. So 
quite in, in, in how can I say, inventing. And my grandmother had that idea that I should take over that company. But I was, you know, I was only five years old when she started telling me what I was, where I was going. And it came to me after school that, well, uh, as, how can I say, a youth riot, uh, that I went to Sweden uh, to visit my father. And, and, and he said, you want to, we want to start shooting and I was with him from when I was five six years old they moved he moved to Sweden when I was about five years old and I came there every summer every uh, every holiday I was there with the horses he was going out competing he was a three-day eventer and actually quite good at it and he was shooting horses I was with him so I can I say grew up with it it sounds crazy but I did and it, it never occurred to me that it was that was where what well, that was my way. So uh, I went there to Sweden and got got an apprenticeship at his place. And um, yeah, sixteen years old. Now I'm fifty fifty eight. So forty two years. Yeah, well, that's, I started at sixteen as well, and I started with my father as yeah. well. So, so there's a couple of things. Firstly, you said your father was a good. Uh, three-day event rider. He actually got to the Olympics. Yes, he? in, in for Montreal. The, for the Danish team? team or the no, the Swedish. For the Swedish yeah. team? Yeah, he was there with the Swedish team. And did you go with him? I was there, I, was, I, was, I, was, I must have been 12 years old. I, he, he, just, he promised me that if he, if he qualified, I could go with him. So that must have been quite an experience for you. Yeah, for a 12-year-old kid, yeah, definitely. It was, um, it was amazing. Yeah. And, never, and also the way in 76, how you got the horses there, they were they were flew, uh, uh, they flew the horses yes. still at that 76. And, and we were actually, I can't remember that well, but we were, we were, it's, it's not the same way as they do today. It's, it, it, I would say more, much more unsafe then than it is now. Yeah. <laughs> but I was there on the plane. It was a huge experience for me. Well, they didn't have the sedatives they have now no. for the horses. They're, yeah. Um, and and so that's made things a lot yeah, better. Yeah. There's always a vet on board now, yeah. walking around with a syringe. Yeah. Anything yeah. that shows that yeah. they are upset then, yeah. or distressed gets another top up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so so yes, it's certainly different. And um, so let, let's just explore this: the the fact that both you and I started at sixteen with our fathers. So tell me. Um, you spent all the time with your father. Were you his only apprentice? Uh, no, he had more. Uh, he had he had two apprentices more, and 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 also another guy working for him. Uh, uh, I can't say my dad was an entrepreneur because he had no clue of money. Yeah. Uh, but he was he was a good he was a good very he was a good craftsman. Um, uh, but money and getting paid and stuff like that that's that was more I would say. Uh, like a guy who you know put his his backpack on and went off, uh, did some work here and there and got paid for it. Uh, he was very modest and in, in in asking for the money, uh, but we were more we were more and and I think the other guys that was working at his place uh, were you better getting the money uh, and taking them home because they knew he had no clue of money. But that's okay. He was he was doing a great job and was very. Uh, they liked him a lot around. And uh, of course, working for your father uh, in the family business has advantages and disadvantages. Oh it? yes, definitely. When things are good, they're very good. Yeah. 
And when they're bad, they're really bad. Yeah. <laughs> because you go home and talk about it over dinner at the evening. Yeah. And it can be quite, not stressful, but um, you, it gives you a lot to think about when you sit there at the supper and, and uh, getting a pin down for what you did today and you should have done this and this. Uh, for a normal apprentice, I guess it's been like you, for you as well. You can go home. Uh, well, my, my father sent me with another farrier okay. for 11 months. Great. One that worked for him. Yeah. But we had yeah. another forge. Yeah. And so I was put there. Yeah. And then it took him 11 months to think maybe he might be some good. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went with him for a few months. But because he had a business with a number of farriers, yeah. so I was rotated a little bit. And yeah. that's... That's actually a good way to learn because you, early on you're seeing different styles, different attitudes, even different horsemanship. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's uh, that, that was not his strong side. He, um, I will say, uh, what I had the opportunity to go home through vacations and stuff like that, visiting my mom, and then I met some some other fairies, and also my my uncle is actually also educated a farrier, but he worked as a agricultural blacksmith and a farrier. At that time, they put yes, that together. That a, yeah, that was the same so, in the UK. Yeah, and 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 Henry wasn't uh, he he was afraid of, of shoeing the horses because he, uh, what if I hurt them? So he stopped that. Yeah. Um, but it's a tradition, more or less. All, all the family has been involved in that. But I went to the school in Sweden, to the farrier uh, uh, school in Sweden, in Skara. Skara, uh, yeah. I know it very well. And uh, I had Kent as a tutor there, and uh, I had the opportunity later on in life to, to visit them again, and also talk to Joran Okerström, the vet that was yeah. the headmaster of that place later on, who's actually now the head, uh, head of FEI at the veterinarian part, together with Mark Sinnott from the UK and I talked to him once in a while that's, oh, that's good and then you learn but again I always try to, to, to look at whatever comes to me yeah. from other people good or bad because you can always there's always that little thing that you can learn yeah. I can learn from an apprentice we were talking last night and some mentioned something I can't remember what it was but we I said that's a good point you have there and, and, and when the youngster says to me, I'm only an apprentice, says, don't say that. Yeah. You're an apprentice. You'd be proud of it. You're going to end up like, like well, as a farrier. I always tell young farriers, don't put yourself down. No. Because there's enough people who yeah. do that for you. So you don't, Absolutely. You don't need you, you, to. Yeah, you don't need to no. do it yourself. Let <laughs> somebody else do it. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, you've ended up at this point where you've lectured and demonstrated in a number of countries um, around the world. Uh, so, can you tell me what your favourite country is that you've worked and taught in? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I can guess, but... Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> I must say, if I, if, I, uh, if I get the opportunity, which I do almost every year, I go to, to Greece and oh, shoot okay. some of the horses there. Uh, but the favourite country is actually Belgium. Well, I hope, because you're now focusing on third world countries, are yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> I hope we haven't got too many Belgian listeners. See, I thought you were going to say... Zambia. Zambia. Yeah, because yeah. we talked about it. Well, actually, there, there, that's true. If, I, if, if we can go somewhere and work with where you can take out... Uh, how can I say? You can take out the, uh, the opportunity of... That's, that's what I go, do as a volunteer. 
And that project was uh, Uno X Clinton and Hans Peter uh, Albert from also here from Norway and Richard Sverd from Sweden, who actually started that up. And they asked me if I could, I could join in. And I said yes. I'm I'm uh, with my whole heart going into this because I think it was a good way of of being able to make some some new entrepreneurs, uh, changing a bit of tradition, uh, and it was. Uh, amazing, especially uh, I, 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 when I talk about Zambia, I always send uh, Hans Peter Alberg some 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 thoughts because we had a magnificent time down there, uh, also working together with these guys who are extremely modest, uh, are extremely humble uh, about just being able to be with us, and did an exceptional job with what they have uh, and with no uh, they don't have any schooling that that can take them there it's it's simply the the their approach to the horses which it's difficult for uh, for for some people to have you know the empathy uh, empathy for, for, yes. for horses and and but but you've got something in common that their yeah. farriers, yes. albeit at a certain standard, and yeah. your farriers, and I've noticed that all over the world, yeah. that they suddenly realise that these people who have come in to help them are not the same as the guys, shall we say, that are also white-skinned, that shout at them mm. and bully them yes. a little bit yeah. and make them feel humble. And once yeah. you get over that, you have a great rapport. Definitely. And, and, and I must say, I was maybe a little harsh on some of, of the whites down there that didn't have a farrier diploma in their hand because they, was, they were very quiet and we got them iced up, more or less. We got them loosened up. I had a good talk with them. And I remember a very, very, very special moment was when one of the guys, Morgan, uh, was taking a piece of straw and starting measuring from the fetlock, fetlock to the to the edge of the hoof on each side of the medial lateral, and I saw him doing that, and that it gives me the chills actually because that was exactly that moment where I found out that now he knows, now he digs yeah. in, now he understands what he's doing. And so he was more than just using his eye. He was thinking, yes. I'm going to measure if yep. this is the same. Yeah, he was. He was. He, he, it was amazing. And he saw me watching him, and he looked up, and I looked at him. That his eyes were first of, in the very split second they were a bit afraid, and then he, I said, I gave him an, a nod and then thumbs up, and he just came out in a big yeah. smile. At that moment, I knew exactly why we were there. So, so what are the biggest challenges there? Is there a problem getting tools, getting shoes? Yes, equipment uh, uh, extreme. We, we, we actually uh, brought it down. We hope to do that again. We had 150 kilos of tools, aprons, everything with us. So when at the end of the, each course for the farriers, they had a full set of tools and, and it was a lot of sponsors. Uh, helping us out with that. They had a full set of tools, they had an apron, and they were standing there with those in, 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 in their hands and <clears throat> actually shouting, yes, that was that was a moment uh, that was quite amazing. So you're going to return there? We do actually hope to return. I have uh, dialogues with them still on, on, on WhatsApp, WhatsApp and on Facebook, uh, Messenger. Uh, not long ago, I helped out one of, one of the farriers down there 
uh, with, a, with a horse uh, had severe trush and it was lame on all four feet. He couldn't touch it and I was there on, I think about one and a half hour uh, online uh, on WhatsApp. So he had a camera, he could see me and vice versa. So we worked on that horse and that was actually the owner's phone. She was filming what he was doing and I was oh. you know, telling him uh, so, that was cause that's that's what technology. I know people ban technology sometimes, but technology can actually yeah bring exactly us together. No, I, as I, well. I always think when people say either Facebook's bad or something, I'm thinking no, it's just the people. It depends you know, on how you use it. If you stand on a soapbox and yeah. say something really stupid in yeah. the crowd, you can't no. you can't blame the soapbox. No, you can't. You can't blame the medium. It's because no. you're not thinking. Yes. Um, what I'm, you know, what you're saying and being yeah. offensive to people. True. So, True. so I, I'm glad that you found that. So, just to quickly get back, so why is Belgium your favourite place for working? The guys. Uh, I've I've gone back uh, several times to to the veterinarian faculty in Ghent and did some some um, um, some clinics there, and they just have that. They have an amazing. Uh, co uh, they are colleagues. They are friends. They help each other. That's it, it's. It was so easy to see. Sweden is the same, actually, and 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 some. You know, there are some unique spots where you actually see that people, uh, not the, the passion about uh, fairy, but also the, the 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 care of helping each other, which means a lot uh, to me, uh, because my I think my goal is if if anybody asks me. And they did, and that's a quite. We met at Lubex at uh, at Lubex the first time. I met these guys, and it's eleven years ago, and we have stuck. So we talk uh, once in a while. We call each other. We are uh, have a little group, uh, a close group on Facebook, where we can throw up the problems. We know if I give, have a problem and are scratching my neck, and I said, "What is? What can I do?" I know I can put it there, and it's safe there. And somebody and some of them call me up and, and ask about it. But they have, a, a, I must say, they have an extreme fine way of working with each other, which I think is good. That's why. Yeah, well, I, I can remember getting the same impression. Funny enough, you mentioned Sweden. When I first came yes. to Sweden in the 80s, that there wasn't this status thing between... There was no difference between the guy that swept the floor in the clinic, uh, the veterinary surgeon, the farrier, that, yeah. and it, it was just... yes. More a meritocracy, should yeah. you say it? Was, you, you, your respect was gained from whether you were good at your job and whether yeah. you fitted in with the team. And yeah. So it is great that that's a far better way of progressing things, should we say, than definitely than everybody wanting to be the alpha male or something yeah, like that. that. That sometimes doesn't always bring good stuff with it. Now your talk today, and you've got a talk tomorrow, but yeah. Um, your talk today was daily obstacles of shoeing sports horses and keeping them healthy. And you were more concerned, shall we say, with the environment and the working and the practices. Very much of that your talk was. And the one thing I, I thought is you did spend some time on, on weight. Yes. And uh, was that the weight of the horses or the weight of the riders? Actually both. Yeah. Simply because the the horses are are getting they're 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 too they, a lot of horses are getting too fat. Yeah. It's 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 a common problem. No no matter where I go in the world now, and 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 the feeding industry. And I know sometimes I I get uh, some how can I say 
they hurt me a bit when I tell them not only them but also the the industry behind the horses is making the the feeding and all the vitamins and stuff like that the reason why is my stepfather was actually making horse horse feeding he was a specialist in making that uh, and had his own company making making that and he always says we feed them too much and if i always i always draw a line to all the stuff that christopher pollitt did in australia and some of the pictures, they had a few straws standing there. They are walking many kilometers to find food. They are making, walking a lot of kilometers to find get water. Uh, that's what a horse is made for. It's not made for standing in a box for, let's say, uh, some of them are staying in a box for, for maybe 11 to, 11 to 15 hours a day, getting out of the pastons just a few hours and then getting back in. And, and it's and terrible. That, and then standing in lush yeah, grass. Where exactly. They and then they, over, they overfeed them. And there is a tendency to see that the overfed horse has an overfed owner. So how? What, uh, excuse me, I know it's uh, difficult, but I mean it. No, well, I think that's been noted by yeah. a few people. Yeah. Um, so how would you assess whether a horse is overweight or not? A very simple way is it whether you can see the first two or three ribs? Yeah, is I it? go for the ribs, but I also go. I also go for there's it's a little fat just after the shoulder blades. You can actually see that. You can touch it. Some of some of them says it's it oh it's only a muscle it's normally the owner who says that but it's not you can you can feel that just by touching it that doesn't necessarily need to be there yeah. and then and all if you take a good view of your horse I always I tell my customers clients and every horse rider you have the best tools in the world and they always look at me and say what's that that's your that's your mobile phone take put your horse at the same place step back. Take that picture and take a picture again in six weeks, seven weeks, and you can see with the same distance. It's quite easy to see where this is going. And you, you told a very interesting story about a lady, and you had the picture, though her face was quite right yeah. blanked out. Um, but we could see from the picture she was quite overweight. Yeah. And her horse was quite overweight. Yes. And and what was her solution to a horse that got tired in endurance? That... Uh, well, she thought a couple of aluminium shoes would solve the problem. Because they're lighter. Yeah, they're... yeah, definitely a, light, a lot lighter. And, 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 and uh, she was sure in her mind that was the way to go because someone else has told her. And unfortunately for her, she had she has me as a ferret. She still has me. So. Well, you did well there because what did you <laughs> yeah. actually tell her? I told her that she was too fat. And, and the she, horse was too fat as yeah, well. Yeah, the horse was too fat. So, yeah. that, And if they slimmed down, I might get into some aluminium shoes for her. Yeah, and I think that's great because I've always said about horse owners, you can tell them that their children are ugly, but don't tell them their horse is no, ugly. No, 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 definitely. That's when you lose the work. But you've still got the work. Yeah. And I believe um, her husband... Yeah, 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 I had a call from him and I was actually, I was a bit <laughs> afraid because of that. Yeah, I said, wow, I'm going to get, you know, yelled at now. But he was very quiet and just said thank you to me for telling her that she was too fat because he really, really didn't have the guts to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, you got away with that one. Yeah. Now, I've got a quote from what you said today and I, I want us to just delve into it a little bit. Yeah. You said about hoof mapping, you said, I'm not a fan. Yeah. And you said another interesting thing that we used to have just four, three or four lines four, four, to look three at. Three or four lines, yes, to look at. And I thought, whew, 
got away with that because my lecture before had three or four lines I know, on. I know, and I and thought about that when I said it. And then you said about hoof mapping. <laughs> and you were looking up. That was lines. nice. I got, I got your attention. <laughs> yeah, so, so just tell yeah, me well, about your opinions on yes, hoof the, mapping. The, the problem is, it's not a problem, but I sometimes think the youngsters get confused with a lot of lines, uh, circles, everything has to be inside a box, and they use that because it's easy to see and they can use their, their laptop, they can use a lot of stuff to put in the lines. Not the saying that the lines doesn't need to be there, but there's a lot of them. I sometimes can see some of the youngsters sitting there looking at it and I've seen it because someone asked me and they say to me, do I ever learn to shoe a horse? I says, Why? Because I don't understand all these lines. There's a lot of them. And I guess... The problem is that they get bombarded with a lot of lines and a lot of theory on Facebook and, and on groups. And they look pretty. Yeah. And they often impress owners. Yes. My question always to them, and I'm not a fan of hoof mapping either, so you didn't have to win me over. Oh, good. But my question is always, how does it change the way you shoe? And I, I never get an answer on that. Me neither. And um, if somebody said, well, after I've done it... yeah. Then I re it makes me realise how I need to adjust my trim or my shoe fit. Yeah. And then I get told that these are accurate and scientific. And when I try and pin somebody down, then they suddenly say they're guidelines. So yeah. Yeah. they can't be both. No, that's, that's, that's what I... Also, the youngsters get confused because you can have... One thing is putting in lines and make it scientific. And then you suddenly change it from that to guidelines because there's always some kind of uncertainty in what we're doing. Yeah. It's because it's a living creature. It can move different than we can see and suddenly can make something different than we normally see. And we're standing there scratching our neck again and say, well, at least it's walking better away from me than it came to me. Well, then you are on on the path of helping it. Yeah. But it's it takes time. It's not done. in. that was also the reason why I used the before and after picture of two minions, uh, cartoon minions, because... It's so easy to make a before and after picture. I have one myself. I, I I admit that, but that's also to illustrate that you don't get there in one. And the other example that I had was over a whole year, and it takes time. And we have to have you know a little more firm way of of telling the customer and the clients that it also the vets actually you can't just uh, make it in 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 a, just a swift switch. It's not possible. That's a part of our work, is to yeah. look at it again and again. When you come back, have a plan, because you're not shooing for now. You have to shoe for the next shoeing. Yeah. And the, the, the gap in between is actually what you're filling. To the next time you can come back and look at the plan you made, you may have to change something. But again, if you change something, there is a reason for changing it. Not uh, 160 different lines yeah. and some, some angles and stuff like that because it gets confusing. It looks good, but it's not always... Uh, the goal is, is difficult to see. Well, and just to be fair to hoof mappers, I have yep. had a podcast with a hoof mapper and I probably need to do another one. Yeah, for sure now. And, well, yeah, <laughs> and, and just, you know, to, to be fair... Okay, let's move on to something else, which is, should we say, more down the ground. And that's, um, you, you made interesting comments in your, in your lecture about um, the sand fibre substrate that we've had in arenas. Yes. And you said that this is, um, 
you know, when they came about, this was the start of, of, of some problems. Yes. And of course, though I never, it was never the main part of my ordinary career shoeing uh, sports horses, the, the veterinary practice I, I was at, I used to do a lot. And I used to say, is this some epidemic that started? That used to be my joke. I said, yeah. why have all these horses suddenly caught this suspensory ligament desmitis, this collateral? Yes. And you mentioned those. So, so if you can just tell us, um, uh, in words, we can't have the demonstration no, of the no, pictures. No, 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 but I can, I can make a picture of it. The problem is that, first of all, the, the, the footings at, at Dole, it, it's, it's 21 years ago, and he was the first in Denmark who got it. So he didn't really know how it worked. So we were from scratch, and I actually didn't know he, he got it. I d didn't go up. It, it, that's my mistake, that I didn't go up because I normally do and find out. So this was in, in, in a period of maximum six, seven weeks. They suddenly had problems. And the problem was that they, starting being a little shorter in the stride and stuff like that, and I could feel there was some, that's, and also the, the, the owners came to me, and also this guy who actually is, is, is a Paralympic rider came to me, Jan, something is not working. They are, I think they are lame. And they were, you know, itchy. So I also, I got a couple of gray hairs already then from this. And when they land in a footing that's too, too, there's too much moisture in it and it's not uh, treated right, you have to treat that type of footing right. And that means it has to be, uh, 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 you have to go through it with, with the machines, you have to water it correctly because otherwise it gets, even if it looks, uh, you know, yes. mushy and, and light, it gets rock hard when they land. And you had some great videos, didn't you? Yes, I was. these feet yeah. entering the ground. They not hammered moving. in. Yeah, they, Just not moving. And that's the biggest there problem. one millimeter of no. slip. There's no slide. So, 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 yeah. so, and when it, it's not sliding, it's not stretching out the full leg. Yeah. And when it's not stretching out the full leg and just, you know, hammering in the toe, it's like driving a car into a, into yeah. a, into a wall. Well, that force in the leg has to go somewhere. It's, so it's sending shock up through up the through. joints. And yes. And sometimes when I, I always have the quarrel with the trainers because they say, well, we ride on these hard tracks when we are at the competition. And I normally say to them, yes, but you don't ride the horse at the competition in the arena for one hour on every day you ride it for eight to nine minutes in a full program and then that's yeah. it and so it could probably cope with that it can cope with that and some of these also are made on top of concrete yeah. some of the big places where we go also soon in Hanning at uh, the world's equestrian games that's going to be in denmark this this year this summer they're going to build it on concrete and they of course do whatever they can but it's still rock hard yeah and i hope to be able to sit there not to again, but again to do some more high-speed videos on this. And you had not a total solution, uh, but you showed how you tried to uh, induce more slippage. So if you can just yes, explain that yeah. as a barrier solution. What I do is I pin out the toe, so I get a, a, a rocked toe or even a breakover, uh, quite a, a heavy breakover on some of them. But that's that's again. Uh, I have to look at the landing on each horse to find out how much how much breakover or how much I pen it out or take a grinder. If you don't have the forge with you, you can grind the shoe down so you actually get. It's like a a, a, a sled that it has to move forward, but it has to stay on top 
of of the, the footing. Actually, like some some of them do with with their sliding mm -hmm. horses, they stay on top on the hind. You can do that on the front feet as well. Make him a little wider. Take, for example, a little wider shoe, as as I call him, a, a fat shoe. Yeah. Doesn't need to be more weight, but you can use it. Also, use an aluminium shoe to to do it. But it, they need that extra slide. Well, I was really interested in that because, of course, I've always, I've, I've become more and more interested in breakover and locomotion, grip and purchase. And by and large, I was thinking of the effect on slippage at the back end of the shoe. But you're showing how by adapting the front end, you are putting a little bit of slip back in, yes. even on these surfaces that really yep. hold these horses up. So I, yep. I thought that was good and, and, and good videos really got the message home. Well, it got the Thank message you. home to me. Yeah, that's good. I, <laughs> I, can't, I'm glad. I can't tell you about the rest of the audience. Um, so... Uh, before we move on, I need to just ask you uh, three quick-fire questions. Yes. So we don't want any prevarication. Nope. We want decisiveness. Yep. Uh, loop knife or straight knife? Straight knife. Okay. Norway or Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you caught me there. Uh, well, I'm a Scandinavian, so I have a problem there. Yeah, well, well you've well, still got to answer. Uh, Sweden. Okay. Well, there's more of them, yep. so there's less to upset yep. in, Definitely. in Norway. Uh, Aluminium or steel? Aluminium. Yeah, okay. So we already discussed lightness. Is that your main reason that these horses don't need a heavier shoe now? Yeah, and also the discussion at the moment where, where you have you had two uh, nice horses from, from Sweden winning the gold medal in jumping, show jumping in, 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 uh, in Tokyo. They didn't have shoes on. Yeah, but they and didn't have they, they didn't have aluminium on as well. But the reason why aluminium uh, in, in soft footing like this is good because it's it's it's, it's heavy enough. F think of all the, all the, because it's sticky. It sticks around the yeah. hoof. It sticks outside and it sticks inside. Yeah. So even that part of it is weight on that foot. So if I can reduce that weight and it can get closer to normal for what is normal that's the biggest question of, uh, of this what trade we are in what is normal but if i think i can get them lighter they have to move a lot and the less weight they have the less weight they have to lift and the less weight they have to lift the less wear down we make on a horse okay so you put up a a quote and i really liked it it said it is simple to make shoeing difficult but very difficult to make it simple. So I have a question to you. Is that an original quote, your quote? It's my quote, it's my dad's, quote. my dad's quote. Your dad's quote? Yes. Well, it's a great quote because Thank you. that's something that has, uh, what should we say, intrigued me uh, all this time, whether I'm lecturing or writing, is I think shoeing is quite complex because it has so many variables yeah. But the basis of it is quite simple. The, the, yes. Our target is yes. simple. And so we are confounded by this about um, taking these variables and, and, and making it simple to, to teach, mainly, yeah. to get the message across without dumbing down, mm -hmm. without yes. insulting our audience. Yes. So I really like that because I thought, I'd never heard that quote before. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note, uh, Jan Krogh's, Dad, I'm yeah. going to put after that. <laughs> so if I put it up on the screen. Yeah. But anyway, really good quote. It followed me ever since when I started shooting. It was the first, some of the first thing he said to me. 
And also, I, I can't say he said much after that, but, but that was his way of being. Yeah. Uh, but that that quote is today my main goal when I shoe horses. Yeah. So I'm going to read that out again. It is simple to make shoeing difficult, but very difficult to make it simple. So Correct. Thank you to your dad. So I need something, another almost philosophical statement from you, but this is the deep philosophical question that I always ask. And what I want to know is, what is the greatest obstacle you've had to overcome? That is actually uh, to be confident in myself of what I'm doing. Okay. Because uh, for a long time, I felt that uh, what I was doing, even though a lot of people were telling me uh, it was okay, and, and my work was, was really good, I always felt that someone was standing somewhere in the shadow telling that my work was bad, but I learned to cope with that. Yeah. And that's my biggest obstacle, actually not the horses, but it, it made me more free to shoe and also make a, a lecture or do a clinic and be able to say, oh, I made a mistake and just say it out loud. Maybe my clinches wasn't that fine that day. Maybe my nailing wasn't high enough. Before I would, I would be able to. I would. I wouldn't be able to sleep until the next day's clinic. Yeah. Because of that. Today, I think it comes with age. But but uh, I was a good guy, Hans Castellin, who told me that uh, Jan, you're doing absolutely fantastic, and can you please take the rest of it away? I said yes, I'll do that. Yeah, well, that's good, and uh, you know, as I said, I enjoyed your your talk and very thank you charismatic and confident. <laughs> um, all right, um, I want to just ask you about uh, a product that you've developed yes. and, and selling, uh, and you correct me if I get the wrong name: Pure Nature Hoof Oil. Correct, Hoof Care, because there's more than what, only yeah. the oil, but the oil was actually the beginning of all this. And, and so just tell me about that, because what, what I want to say is that I think, uh, you know this from conversations with me, but I think just about all the smart farriers I've ever met develop another income stream. Yes. So, so you've developed this. Yes. And so tell us about it. Okay. It actually started out me being irritated about all, all the chemical that is, 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 is put into all types, all types of, of, of uh, hoof care products and also horse care products, uh, mainly, um, and it irritated me, and I was had an allergic reaction on some of a, actually a, a, a product for for trush. I'm not going to mention any names no, because no. I don't want to hit anybody on a step on anybody's toe. But I had a, a severe allergic reaction to that, and I thought, well, I'm standing here using uh, a product that I might give a 12 year old as as a part of of, of my job. Uh, and then I thought it it, it must be there must be a way of doing this much better. So I started looking back in nature and say, and also looking back in, because my, I had a box with all my father's and my, my grandfather's notes and they wrote small notes on, on the slip of their newspaper and they put it in the box. And when my father died, that, that was the only thing I wanted. That was that box. There must be something in there. It, it took me, I started developing in, in uh, it's 20 years ago, about 20 years ago I started because I was a little tired of it. And then came the oil and uh, the oil came out of, of, of the blue, actually, because I've, I had a chance to see some things working. And the oil is uh, all, you know, natural vegetable, vegetable oils. There's no 
chemical oils and it's not uh, the fat acid that's in it is taken out um, and it made it so much easier so much smoother and the horse doesn't get itchy about it you can touch the corner coronary band without any problem whatsoever and for me that's important also for the horse but absolutely also for the user and you've managed to get distribution now in 14 countries yes that's pretty I, good myself uh, by you know again about social media and starting up uh, with that and, and i hope to be able to get into the states as well uh maybe on another name because pure nature who care they no one will know that in the states uh but i guess uh, we will find a way through that and you're uh, already working on that yes and i have a good contact who's helping me out now we we i hope and, and i wish for that we can make the production in the u.s instead of also for the for for all uh, environmental cases there's no reason for bringing it from the states to denmark and from denmark back to the states it's too costly but it's also uh, not good for 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 our nature that we've freighted back and forth there's no reason for that so i try to to do that and then there's a mud fever spray that takes away uh, mud and, and scratches within uh, a week or two you don't need to uh, you don't need to wash you just brush it clean it and spray it on it's not hurting the horse at all what for, for mud fever yes yeah well that that's good because i used to i used to moan about this because we know how difficult it makes yes. the yeah. job for us with the horse with this absolutely and i used to say is this beyond the capability of somebody to get a treatment for this it is you know and, I, um, I did it <laughs> well, then, then, then you you will have a wealthy and happy retirement. I, I, I hope and, so. I yeah, hope. I think it will. And the trush is in the trush kit is in this exactly the same uh, exactly the same uh, thing uh, line because there's no there's no poison in it. Uh, actually, I was talking to some of the farriers today, and I said, if you like to drink, it you can. It doesn't taste good, but you no, can. I drink need it. to see you do that demonstration. Well, yes, we'll do that tomorrow then. I might video that. Yeah, but you're welcome. And you, <laughs> then you pick the bottle where I spray on. You just pick it out and, and I'll spray it on and I'll just... It doesn't taste good, but I'll do it okay. for sure. All right, we'll see. We'll, we'll see after tonight if we want to drink anything different tomorrow. Yeah. Even coffee. Well, that might even help a bit of your, of your, uh, on your but stomach. But you're not going to so. now claim it as a hangover. <laughs> no, 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 right. no, no, definitely not. Listen, uh, Jan, this has been brilliant speaking to you. I want to thank and you, you too. Thank you for, for taking part in this podcast. We'd met before, but hadn't yeah. spent as much time no, as we have in the last day or so together. So that's been brilliant. I'm sure everybody will enjoy listening. I hope to this podcast. Yes, yeah, I hope so, so. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, we covered an awful lot, including hoof mapping fat horses and their fat riders, uh, the effect of surfaces on certain conditions of the limb. Jan was easy to have a conversation with, and as you'll see, even after the podcast finished, we kept talking. And you can hear a little of that at the end of this outro. So what did I miss? Was there something I forgot to ask no, you? definitely not. I didn't ask you about tomorrow's lecture, which is mismatched feet. I, yeah. I saw it, but because I hadn't watched your lecture, but that's obviously something that you're keen on. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, well, uh, that exactly is, is... Unless you were asked to speak on that subject. No, no, no. I, I, guess I, I you told them. Forward, yeah. I told them also because the reason why I, I wanted that is because um, is because I uh, want them to understand that it's it's not just a fold, uh, and there are so many more into this than um, there's much more than into the into that. Just saying, what is a high low heel syndrome? What is that? That's that's a definition. I know a lot of people talk about it, but what is it? Is there a direct definition you say that's a high low heel syndrome? No, it's not. Well, if you, 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 I'm sure you saw at the start of my lecture, I showed two examples. Yeah. Where, where one foot was, should we say, normal and healthy, yes. but the other foot was lower yeah. and flatter. Yeah. And the other example was that one foot was healthy and a good angle, and the other foot was higher. Yes. So they can't be the same thing, no. those two. But sometimes you are in, in a situation where you look at it and say, is it is the problem the high heel or is it actually the low heel that's the problem? Some of them are, you know, coming out lame and they say, oh, it's a high heel. No, it's not. It's lame on the, the, the flat one. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and always focus on that uh, front foot, uh, that, that upright foot. I, I won't say club foot, because I, I, I hate that word. Because well, that, some horses do have a yeah, club yeah, foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. What gets me is when people use it for a horse that hasn't got a club foot. That's another, yeah, got, exactly. Yeah. But looking at some of these horses and, and, and uh, I get, uh, well, I had, I had, an, I had an idea and I, that, that idea started in the trotting industry 40 years ago uh, in Sweden because we worked at the trotters as well. We were shooting a lot of trotters yeah. and it's, a, it's not a terrible business, but it's a terrible place to shoot horses because uh, it's, there's a new fashion every week. So you end up having a lot of different types of shoes like that. Whoever won the big race Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants that yeah. shoe. And, and, and now tell me, you've handed me a beer here. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's Finsk Fora. Fin yeah, Finsk Fora. And what does that mean for a start? Uh, uh, that means uh, Fyn is a, 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 an area in Denmark and Fora means spring. So I'm having a spring beer. You're having a spring beer. Well, I've been well, to the spring, spring games, is soon, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It's been great. So, uh, do, do you know, I never thought I would have a Dane hand me a warm beer. No, <laughs> that's the first time. Thank you. <laughs>